It's one thing for weakness to be exposed. It's another thing altogether for weakness to be revealed. When circumstances, sickness, loss, pain, hurt, suffering, expose a weakness of ours, we don't do that willingly. We do that out of necessity. But when we expose our weaknesses and our vulnerabilities willingly, there's something altogether different with how God uses that. Paul speaks to that here in 1 Corinthians. If you want to turn to chapter 9, we're going to look together at several verses uh, to glean some things from not only his experience, but what rather from the Holy Spirit has to say to us in the sense that willful weakness is something used by God to speak to others around us and to change us in the process of that as well. 1 Corinthians 9. Verses 19 to 23, let's look together. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people that I might by all possible means save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. I love how Eugene Peterson puts this in the message. Listen to these verses from the message, same verses. Even though I'm free from the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, Non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose-living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in attempts to lead those I meet to God's save life. I did all this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. I think that's a great way to put that. I didn't, didn't, didn't just want to talk about it from a distance. I wanted to be in on it. Um, willing weakness starts here, pick up, pick, picking up back in this text. Willing weakness starts with free will. Starts with free will. Look at verse 19 with me. Though I am free, I belong to no one. I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Though I am free and I belong to no one, he says, I have, in essence, willingly, willfully made myself a slave uh, in order to win those around me. Now, as I said earlier, when we do this willingly, or when we do this unwillingly, when circumstances force weakness on us, force us to be exposed, we are oftentimes embarrassed and offended by that. But yet when we do that willingly and on purpose for God to use it and for there to be some purpose and design to it, he, he always does that. He comes through every time. Paul's saying here, I'm choosing to submit what I want to what you need. What I want is to stay in a place of comfort. What you need, though, is my weakness. What I want is to stay in a place where you value what I say, you value who I am, you have respect for me because of what I've done among the the early church. Yet, where I find myself is in a place of vulnerability and submitting myself to you, submitting myself to Jews in order to win Jews, submitting myself to those who follow the law in order to win those who follow the law, submitting to those who don't even know the law in order to win those who don't even know the law. He said, I want to become all things to all folks that I might by all means see some come to Christ. And so he does this willingly and sees God use it to expand the kingdom here. Uh, It's easier to understand uh, submission or vulnerability when 
when that happened to us, when circumstances fell in our lap, or as I say, whether it's sickness or loss or separation or pain or, or in, some, in some form of oppression, where we can say, you know, that's the circumstances fault that I'm, that I'm vulnerable, the circumstances fault that I find myself in a, in a lowly place. Yet Paul says, I step out of where I am to do this willingly, to become a servant to you in order that you may see Christ in me by my willingness to do that. We see the greatest example of that by Jesus himself in the upper room as he takes a bowl of water and he goes around person to person to person to wash the disciples' feet. Here's, here's Paul not doing that the, the same thing literally but figuratively saying, I'm becoming a servant to you. I'm, becoming, I, I'm submitting myself to what you need more than what I want. What I want is to stay where I am. What you need, though, is the gospel. And the only way for you to see it is for me to find myself in a place here of submission. Um, that, that is... That's the need of our culture. It's the need of, of folks around you. They need the gospel. So what are we, going to, what, what are we willing to do? How, how, how deep are we willing to go? How far are we willing to sacrifice to see the gospel spread in our culture? To see it not only spread in our culture, but in our sphere of influence. Here, here is Paul's sphere of influence to Jews, to non-Jews, to Greeks, to those totally outside of either position. And he says, I want to I, I speak your language. I want to enter your world. I want you to know and see who, who I really am because who I really am is a person who's been changed by the gospel. And I don't want you to know my Jewish background. I don't, I don't want you to know my knowledge. I don't, I don't care about my education. I don't care about the fact that whether I was, I was known before I ever walked in the room. That's unimportant to me. What's important to me is that you get it because the gospel is too great to leave alone. It's too great to set aside. And he's saying, I want to I do whatever means possible in order that you'll get it, you'll understand. In all three of these contexts that he was in here in one, one church, I want to make sure that every, every person in this room gets it and understands the simplicity and the beauty and the power of the gospel. And whatever it takes for me to step, whatever place I need to step into for you to see that, that's where I want to go. So it begs the question here right out of, right out of the blocks, what are we willing to give up in order to see those around us come to Christ? What are we, what, what are we, how are we willing to vul- make ourselves more vulnerable and submissive and even uh, uh, to, to, some, to a certain degree weak before them, appearing so, in order for those around us to come to the gospel, to come to saving faith in Christ? There are those in your world, uh, as, as, I, as I talked about earlier in the announcement time, you have, hopefully you have a friend or two, <laughs> uh, but there are those in your world that you work with, perhaps even in your extended family and sometimes even immediate family that don't know Christ, what price are you willing to pay to see them come to faith in Him? Is it, are you willing to put yourself aside, what you want aside, what, what you would like to see happen aside in order that their greatest need for Him may be met? It starts with free will. and Paul says, I'm exercising my free will to stoop below where I normally walk. To stoop below the notoriety that I normally have to say, listen, I want to be like you. And that's, that's exactly what he said. I want to be like, I, I became like the Jew to win the Jew. Became like those under the law to win those under the law. Became like, I want to become like you in order to win you. I want to connect with you and identify with you. We are, I fear, as people of faith, too aloof, too separated, too, here's, here's, here's the gospel, I hope you get it. Or have you been to church? Or here's a, here's, a, here's a good Christian song. Here's a good book. But we separated ourselves from the dirtiness and the, and the, and the costliness and the, and the stooping into, the, into, into a place maybe of disobedience where a person is living in disobedience, stooping down with them, not to be disobedient with them, but stooping down into that disobedience to say, listen, 
I understand the power of, of this sin. I understand the power of this loss. I understand the power of this hurt. I understand what's, what it's done in your life, but you don't have to stay there. There's a choice involved. So our willingness to stoop to that level and our willingness to, that's a bad way to put that, our willingness to, to, to be real is a better way to put that. Our willingness to, to be vulnerable, to, be, to, to make ourselves uh, available and vulnerable in front of others, God will use. He uses Paul here uh, mightily, and he will use us, but that starts with a free will. It starts with, with willing weakness to say, I want to see that happen, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to see that happen in your life. Secondly, a willing weakness not only starts with a free will, but it connects with its culture. Look at verses 20 and 21 with me. To the Jews, I became like a Jew. To win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law at all, I became like one not having the law. Though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. I became like a Jew, like those not under the law. In essence, I, I abandoned the, the, the teachings of my faith temporarily for you to come to Christ. I, I, wanted, to, I wanted you to see that th- 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 there is no hoops to jump through. There's no hurdles to cross in order for you to get to him. You don't have to if you're not a Jew, but re- respond to Judaism in order to come to Christ. You don't have to, if you are a Jew, become a Greek and wash away your, Ju- your, Judy, uh, your Jewish background in order to come to Christ. He will meet you exactly where you are, is what Paul is saying here in this text. And he's saying, I want to meet, the, I want to meet you there too. I want to meet you exactly where you are, as Jesus always does, whether it's Samaritan, whether it's Jew, whether it's Greek, whether it's somebody in between or totally outside of all those contexts, uh, contexts culturally. I want to meet you exactly where you are to give you exactly what you need. He uniquely did that, and Paul is trying to model that here in, in, this, in this situation. Paul doesn't do that from a distance, and we can't either. We can't, we can, and in fact we do, I pray for them. God, reach them, touch their heart, draw them to yourself. But lest we become engaged, those around us in our world that God has intentionally placed in our world will not see him until we engage. And we stand from a distance by way of prayer, and, and prayer is great, and don't stop praying. But put, we need to put feet on our, our, on our prayers to say, listen, how can I engage you? How can I, how can I tell you the, what God's done in my life in order to help you see what he can do in yours? You can know that. I want to know that you know that. And it, it, takes, it takes us engaging our culture. Um, it's harder to do that than it is to stay at a distance. It's far easier to stay at a distance, stay in our little holy huddle on, here on Sunday morning, and leave all that here when we go where we go on Monday. It's easier to leave it here. It's much harder to engage. It's much harder. It's, we, we, we make ourselves, as I say, far more vulnerable, far more exposed when we reveal who we really are in Christ to a world that needs to see him. Now, it's not politically correct to, to go into your workplace, for most of us, to go into your workplace and say, I belong to Christ and I want you to know him. I want you to see what he can do in your life. Here's what he's done in mine. There, is, there, there's, there are prices to pay culturally. There are... You'll, you'll, hear the, you'll hear the whispering as you walk down the hall. When those, when those, there, there are prices to pay when you, when you expose your faith in a place where nobody's ever done that here before. How dare she come in and say that? How dare he come in? Nobody's ever done that here before. I don't know that I'm comfortable with that. And as, as, as we engage people, there, there's, there's a price to be paid. Paul, as well, paid a price here by doing that. And he knew that there was a great risk in his, in his doing that, that his Jewish friends would say, listen, if you're willing to stoop into Greekism, you can have all the Christ you want. And he risks that here in order for everybody of all cultures in this Corinthian church to see their need for the gospel, see their need for him. 
And so there's cost to be paid for us. There are price to be paid if we're going to engage a culture. But Jesus didn't do that from a distance. He did that. He got down in the he got down into the mire. He got down. In fact, he called out Zacchaeus out of a tree. He said, let's, let's go to your house. You know what he heard all the way to Zacchaeus' house? Did you see who he called out of the tree? That's Zacchaeus. That's the thief. It's the thug. He's going to a thug. And he heard that all. And he, he didn't have to hear it to know they were saying it, that he's God. But he's walking on the way to Zacchaeus' house, hearing all this, I'm sure, in, in, in the midst of the crowd. And he did that time after time after time after time. Why? In order to say, I'm going to meet you exactly where you are to give you exactly what you need. He's always willing to do that. Paul finds himself in a willing spot to do that here. And our culture, those people in our sphere of influence, can and will be changed if we're willing to do that ourselves. But we have to stop and say, listen, I want to stop being who I'm supposed to be and reveal, in essence to you, who I really am. Reveal a changed heart. Reveal a heart that's been redeemed. Reveal a heart that's been forgiven. Reveal a heart that loves you and cares about you, as Christ does as well. There's cost involved when we do that, when we engage. It's far easier to stand at a distance and pray. And don't stop praying. But we need to engage, just like he said, connect with our culture. Thirdly, a willing weakness starts with a free will, connects with its culture. But thirdly, a willing weakness values others above myself. Look at verse 22. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I become all things to all people so that by all means possible, I might save some. I become all things to all people that by all means possible, I might save some. To the weakness, to the weak, he says, I became as weak. I, I made myself vulnerable. As we shared last week with you, we talked about Paul's thorn and how he carried this thorn all of his life. And and as I say, whether it was it was his eyesight, as many theologians believe it could have been, or whether it was something altogether different, I think he exposes not only that, but, but a deeper part of himself here to these folks to say, listen, I've had some failure too. In fact, I was the one standing in the crowd handing out stones when Stephen was stoned. I was holding coats and, and handing out weapons when Stephen was put to death. And I liked it. And I, I was there to do that exact same thing. I, I think he... <clears throat> He starts to tell stories like this to, to, to help people realize this guy was in as bad a shape as I am, or if not worse. And look what God's done in his life. He can do that in mine, and he can, and he will. But you and I have to make ourselves willingly weak, willingly vulnerable, willingly submissive, willingly, as he, as he describes himself here in verse 19, a slave in order for that, those kind of things to happen. Um, this, this, this idea of others above myself is true outside the body. It's true inside the body. Listen to these verses from 1 Corinthians 12. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Watch this. If one suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part is honored with it. What he's saying here in, the, in that is this, is that when we find ourselves putting others above ourselves, inside the body of Christ and outside the body of Christ in, 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 in a culture, when we find ourselves putting others above ourselves, we'll find that to be an attractive thing that draws people not only to him, but to relationship with us. So, as I said earlier, if you had no friends, you're trying to make some, you know how to get some, elevate others as, uh, of, of greater importance than yourself at your workplace. Elevate others of, of greater importance than yourself inside your church, or inside your family. 
when I'm looking at others and I, I put their position ahead of my own desires, my own wants, my own needs, that's attractive. And the reason that's attractive is God puts the desire in us for himself to be revealed in that way and draws people to himself. That's what willful, willful weakness looks like in action. It looks like selflessness. It looks like self-denial. It looks like submission. It looks like, as Paul described it here, slavery. In order to serve you willingly and be, as it were, a slave to you in order for your greatest need to be met. I, I drop what I want. Uh, that's, that's true, as I said, inside the body and outside the body. Starts with a free will, connects with its culture, and values others above myself. That's what willing weakness does. But fourthly, is is the, is the really neat life changing eternal part. Willing weakness recognizes the supremacy of the gospel. Look at verse twenty three with me. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Listen back again to how Peterson did this. He says, um, "I didn't just want to talk about this. I wanted to be." in on it. I wanted to engage. I wanted to not stand at a distance and say, hope that works for you. Here's Jesus. He's worked for me. Good luck with him. Let me pray you into the kingdom. Nothing wrong as, as I say with prayer, but engagement. We see the gospel having a, having a supreme place. He said, I do all this for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of, of, of your knowing him personally, have a relationship with him. Um, so when we examine the gospel's place in our life, sitting here today, whatever, whatever thought process or whatever week you've kind of had coming into the, here today, as we examine your priorities in life, I wonder where the gospel fits in that. Fifth? Fifteenth? Thirty-fifth? I wonder where, I wonder where the, the, the others around you, I wonder the priority of your seeing, this is the most important thing in life. It's the most important thing in eternity, yet my life reflects something else. My life reflects a greater importance in him or in her or in this than it does in the gospel. I wonder if we're, if we're willing to be honest and admit that today, if God might be dealing with our heart to say, listen, until the gospel becomes a priority with you, you're not going to see people around you come to know me. Until it becomes a priority with how you live and how you view things, how you view culture, how you view scripture, how you view the Holy Spirit's presence and his, his indwelling, until you start to see things through that lens, through a spiritual lens, and the gospel becomes a daily priority in your life to where you get up thinking about it. Who, who, who around me needs to see Christ in me today? And you go to bed thinking about it. Who around me saw Christ today? Until it becomes a priority with us, we seldom see those around us come to him. Uh, but there, there are those in our world that don't know Christ, and we are the road for them to, to reach him, to see him, to, for him to be revealed. And so uh, I guess the, the question is, is, are we willing to become vulnerable and weak and submissive if, if that's the path that, that road takes us on in order for them to see him? Are we willing to submit ourselves and subject ourselves to things that we normally would not be willing to do in order for them to see him in us? Are we willing to say things we normally wouldn't say? Invest, engage in conversations we normally wouldn't in order for them to see Christ in us, to see the gospel come out of us, revealed in our conversation. Uh, he says here that I may share in its blessings. Uh, and as I say, Peterson puts it, I want in on it. I want in on your coming to Christ because I see the power of your life and its ability to change someone else's because God has revealed to me that I need to tell my story to you in order to change your life and your future and your eternity. I see what God will do in your life. That's the, that's the double blessing. I'm going to tell you multi-generational Multi-generational influence is a powerful thing. To see your kids 
both spiritually and, and, and physically, or and maybe both in some cases. To see your, your, your offspring, whether it's, whether it's spiritual, whether it's physical, to see your offspring bearing fruit in someone else's life is a powerful thing. I will tell you, it will change you. It will cause you to, to, to live with a greater sense of urgency. Um, it will cause you to live with a greater sense of expectation about what God can do. I've seen this in my own life. You, you perhaps have seen it in yours. Of folks that I've discipled are now discipling other people. Folks that I've poured into are now pouring into the lives of other people. And God is using that to bring glory to himself. That multi-generational influence will be something I'm going to tell you will turn your crank as your feet hit the floor in the morning and say, listen, I want, to, I want that to happen again. That's pretty cool stuff. And God, God is using Paul here to, for that to happen. So, so he says, listen, I want in on your blessing. I want to see the ripple effect of my influence in your life to see your life influencing another life and that life influencing another life. And he says, as that starts to happen, the kingdom starts to grow and God starts to be honored and my life starts to make sense and yours does too. But we've got to be willing to, to invest ourselves and engage in that story. I think to do that, we've got to revisit gratitude. I think we've got to revisit, here's what the power of the gospel has done in my life and I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful to the extent that I move beyond where I'm comfortable in order for those around me to know that and see that and hear that. That is life-changing, not, not only to them and to their eternity, but to ours and our sense of, yes. I mean, find God, I see God finally all over something I'm doing. I see him engaged and invested with me to where I started to see this conversation mattered in his life and in her life and in their life and in his, this marriage and in that. God starts to do those things around us, and we start to get up thinking, okay, who's it going to be today? What's God going to do today through, through my conversation, my attitude, my spirit, to see somebody else come to know him or their life change? Um, where that starts, as I said, is in gratitude. So I want to ask you today, just between you and God, are you grateful for your salvation? Or has it become to you, eh, it's good, I'm in. Or do you live with a sense of gratitude to say, listen, I deserve... Uh, I say this often, but I say it because I mean it. How you doing? I said, well, I deserve the back corner of hell this morning, crying out for smoke. That's what I, that's what I deserve. What I get instead is mercy and grace in abundance. I receive that because I received him into my heart as my Lord and Savior. So when salvation starts to become real and relevant, I become grateful for it all over again. When I become grateful for it all over again, I want to tell that story again all over again in order to see that thing, that ripple effect happen in your life and in your life and in your life and in your life. And that kind of, that kind of rethinking things, rethinking priority, the priority of the gospel and reflecting on this idea of I'm grateful for what God's done in my life. I'm toast without him. Because he's chosen to come in and speak to my heart, to convict me, to draw me to himself, I stand here grateful before you today that I work with, that I that I do life with, that I see socially, that I'm at the ball field with. I want you to see him in me because I'm grateful for what he's done in my heart. When we start to live with a sense of gratitude and out of, motiv- out of being motivated out of gratitude, I'm going to tell you, it'll change, our, it'll change our conversation. It'll change relationships. It changes our own sphere of influence, our own culture. Um, and the gospel is exposed. And gratitude is the vehicle for that to happen. Paul says, I want in on that blessing. You know why? I've experienced it, and I want to experience it again, and I want to teach you how to experience it for yourself. Great lessons in that for us today from from him that we could glean, and and we need to revisit and glean. A couple things here as we wrap up, and that's this. Are there things that, things of God in your life that pride has kept you from seeing?
This whole series on weakness spits in the eye of pride. It spits in the eye of some of, of our, our supremacy, our importance, our sense of, I'm all right. God biblically uses, we, we use here three different accounts of Paul to say, no, I'm not all right. In fact, apart from him, I'm nothing. With him, I have everything. But apart from him, I've got nothing, and I am nothing. So I need to think in terms of what is God saying? What is he doing? How is he using me? How is he making these circumstances come into my life and come into play in order for those around me to see him? I'm going to tell you, pride is what stands in the way of our seeing those things. If, if, we're, if we're not seeing God at work in us anymore, I'm looking forward to next week starting this series in Philippians on joy. Because uh, we're going to see some great things together. But if, we're, if, we're, if we've lost joy, and if we're not seeing God at work in us anymore, and we're thinking, what happened? I mean, years ago, and I was on fire. Years ago, people around me knew where I stood. They knew my faith, and they were drawn to it. Asked me questions about it. How did, how did, what happened to that? How, how did, how did, I, I still want that to happen. I still would like to see God use me in that way, but what happened? And what happened is, is we found ourselves in a place of comfort. We found ourselves in a place that says, I'm all right. You know, I, I, I've checked the heaven package, and, and I, I go to church, and I give, and I serve, and I pray, and I'm, I'm all right. And, and, and instance by instance, mindset by mindset, one decision, one conversation, we found ourselves, not intentionally, we found ourselves in a place of pride. And pride keeps us from seeing these very things, these God things that he has in store for us, and these conversations, and these relationships, and these encounters that were never by accident. They were eternally ordained, and we missed them because we couldn't see them. God, God does those kinds of things in us every day, but we miss seeing it because we've allowed pride to creep in, and we need to make ourselves willingly weak again. That's the key to seeing them again, is this willing weakness, our, our connecting again, our, our seeing things through a different lens, connecting with our culture, valuing others above ourselves, and seeing the power and the supremacy of the gospel. We need to revisit those things. We need to revisit the, the power and supremacy of the gospel in our life, and it needs to reflect my salvation is the most important thing in my world. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my family. My salvation is the most important thing in the world. People need to see that in us. If it's reflected in us, it connects. It, it, it works itself out of our conversation. It, it, it affects our attitude, our, our, our sense of want to, our sense of get up and go, our sense of God is using me today. and He's using me in a powerful and hopefully eternal way in his life, in her life. And I've missed that. I lost that at one point. I, I want to see that again. I'm going to tell you, we've got to lay pride at the feet of Jesus in order to see that again and willing, be willing to find ourselves in a, in a position of servanthood, in a position of self-denial, in a position, as Paul describes here, even of slavery into the lives of folks to say, I want you to see him. And whatever it takes for you to see him, I'm willing to, to become, to do, to be. Are we willing to go there? Um, as I said, as we started, weakness that circumstances bring on our world and on our, on our life is one thing. We didn't ask for them. We can see others around us and see our own experience in that to say, listen, I didn't ask for this. And we don't. But willing, uh, weakness that's willing and weakness that is on purpose and weakness that's by design, vulnerability and, sin, and servanthood that says, listen, I want to become whatever it takes to reach you. I don't know what it is. don't know what it looks like today, but whatever it takes to reach you, that's what I want to become. Who is God placed within your sphere at work, in your family that you know at the ball field, at the, at the store. Who's God placed within your sphere that you need to 
Find yourself, put yourself in a position of willing weakness in order for them to see him. As he brings those folks to mind, will you move? Will you say, listen, God, bring me to that place of submission. And whatever is prideful in me, do surgery on it. Whatever, whatever in me says, no, that's, I'm too cool for that. I can't. Do surgery on those things. Cut those things from my life that I see myself in, my, in, my place of, uh, in a place of submission to you and to them in order for them to see you. We've got to get there. That's going to happen. Let's pray.